Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the auto detailing industry. If you're passionate about car life, find me at Total Auto Solutions on most platforms. If you want to find me on TikTok, that's at Detail Supply App. And uh, if you get touch with me directly, it's 918-800-1188. Nick can be found uh, at Vegas.Rides on most platforms, or you can reach out to him at Vegas Ride. Uh, Nick at VegasRides.com is the best way to get in touch. Nick, one day I'll get that out, you know, two <laughs> times in a row. I don't know, man. One day, one day. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, all uh, right, man, I am on? drinking uh, Everything Rhymes with Orange. It is a local beer that those that are in the community know it is my uh, one of my favorites, especially lately. Uh, what I love about it is, uh, I mean, you taste that orange straight off the bat, <laughs> but uh, but it's a mellow orange, right? And it just not it it calms that bitterness down. I, I know yeah. you're a regular into into your ultra, and that's your go-to. But yeah. you ever got into anything with some? you know, some fruitiness to it, or have you ever kind of- I like, uh, I like, I told you one of my, my favorites is uh bikini blonde from Maui brewing. Uh, it doesn't have like what you're dealing with, with the orange and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, a more citrus beer is, is more refreshing to me, you know, something that's not, I don't know. I'm not trying to, you know, get full from two beers. You know, I just want to be able to have six and be like, yeah, hey, you know, I feel pretty good. Well, speaking of six, I had six the other night. That's there you why go. I brought this Actually, I did because, too. Uh, I did too. Because I enjoyed quite a bit of it this weekend. As I told you the other day when you were like, hey, what are you up to this weekend? I was like, well, you know, I started dating this new girl and she wants to go camping. I go, what the? F- <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, huh? what? Like, well, hey. I, uh, here I said, Midwest, on, the, man, on the ground camping or cabin camping or you know rv camping you're like uh on the ground camping yep dude my mind was blown (laughs) it's still the same tent i think i've had for like 15 years you know i mean i've always been a camper i love to go to the lake you know once or twice a year usually springtime and then again in the fall and yeah man just put up a tent i mean make your own fire go through the woods just digging for firewood put it together make a meal i mean i just love that stuff like you just get dirty like you're drenched yeah. in sweat like yeah see i i grew up hunting but you know i i never like just i never got into like the camping for camping sake that that's the one thing i just don't have love to fish love to hunt just going and laying on the ground and dicking around in the woods i'm out Nick, do you put your own minnow on, or do you have to fish taken off? For <laughs> Hell you? yeah, dude! I'm I, I when it comes to that stuff, I'm I'm a master. You know, I told you this when I lived in San Diego. I used to go deep sea fishing all the time, and I would just fillet the fish up, and people would pay me because you're on a boat with a couple different groups, whatever. You go out to like Ensenada or out past Baja or Dana Point or whatever, and yeah, I can do all that. I can fillet a fish, especially big fish. I'm, you know, I, I love deep sea fishing and stuff like that. How'd you learn how to fillet a fish? Dude, when I was younger, my grandparents lived in Florida. And so I spent some time in Florida and then, you know, just 
my family, that's, that's, they've all kind of done that stuff. You know, I still have family that hunts a lot and fishes a lot. And so it's just like one of those things. So the Vegas part hasn't rubbed off on you too much. You still got no, hell no. blood or what? Yeah. I mean, dude, I would go, you know, that's kind of, you and I have talked, you know, if I ever do move, one of the things I want to do is try to move to a place where I could either hunt or fish again, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be possible. Sometimes your life gets down a road, you know, but yeah, I would love to do all that. Right now you just hunt for the cha-ching. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, that's funny. Uh, I guess that, you know, through Vegas, you're hearing for the cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-chings, you know, as the, oh. you know, that's, hey, that hey, by the way, gas stations, grocery stores, it's everywhere. doesn't matter where you go, any bar, it's all machines all the time. I think my first times into the airport of Vegas is when it blew my mind. I was like, wait, I can just be going through Vegas and throw out some money and maybe. Yeah, that they make sure that, they, that you can spend your money in every corner of this city. There's no doubt. All right. So before I get into my fun weekend, uh, what, what were you up to this week? Anything? Swimming. You know, it's swim time. So get in the pool, hung out, you know, that kind of thing. It's like the perfect, you know, the perfect time of year out here for that. And, uh, you know, that's about it you know, trying to uh, get my fitness back after, you know, the car accident a couple years ago, I kind of let that be the excuse of why I ate everything in sight, drank everything in sight. So just trying to get back into that a little bit. And I actually, man, when it came to this weekend, I just wanted to kind of chill at home and, you know, but we, we did a lot. We swam in the pool, baby's first time in the pool, that kind of thing. That was cool. I was going to ask how would the baby get in? What'd you? Yeah. Yeah. We got first swim lessons, uh, Thursday. So like nine months, she's coming up on nine months, eight, nine months. Wow. Is that early or? Well, when you have a pool, there's like, you know, there's a safety component to it, right? Like you don't want, uh, you know, we're still gonna have to put a fence around the pool, you know, for the baby, but it, you can teach them. So they, they, you know, can keep themselves afloat and that kind of thing in case something goes wrong. Probably better than my bulldogs, huh? Bulldogs don't do too much. <laughs> oh, my two dogs, dude. You can't get them out of the pool. So they'll just sit and cry and whine. They want to hump in the pool all day. All right. Well, I did not do any swimming this weekend. It did almost get uh, – uh, I almost swam in the Jeep with all the rain that got hit. But you know, <laughs> I heard. We'll, we'll go into that in a second. There's nothing like a camping yeah. trip that gets cut short by uh, sudden downfall is uh, yeah. the way it always goes. But – you can kind of tell from this blister and uh, it's how, uh, well, there's another one here. I, I probably have another one here. <laughs> that's fucking funny. When you're making your own fire and sometimes right, you can have the wrong, oh, wait, that's, that side of the, that side that's of the, that's the wrong fire. one. Oh, that's a little hot. So yeah, we get there. The, the crazy part though, is we get there and they didn't have any camping sites. So we had planned this trip like all week. In the past, you just go up, right? Like you always just go up and just yeah. grab yourself a spot, pay the ranger that walks around or drives around, never any issues. Well, you get up there now, technology's taken over all the way down to camping. And they go, so, well, you didn't reserve it on the website? A website? It's a camp. Wow. I, I didn't know there was a website. <laughs> like, okay, so I have to go and they, they go show me and they go, well, see, they're all full. And I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> like, uh, so what if I go down there and there's one that's empty? Sure enough, there was one that's empty. And you just set up shop. <laughs> no, I mean, I went back and I was like, 
hey and they were like okay well maybe they backed down and we, we didn't see it on our side and yeah, Hopefully, exactly. we got a spot, but you know, it, it didn't start off like it was going to go so well. And uh, I get there and I realize, oh shit, it's been raining. There's not a lot of wood, and there wasn't. We had to go, you know, digging through the woods, but there wasn't much in there. There was somebody that cut down some stuff, but it was all green. If you've ever tried to yeah. make a fire with green wood, <laughs> that's not going to work. Man, that, that ain't fun at all. So, anyways, we we bought some wood. We made do. We made some. Do you ever make? Uh, did you ever make food? I guess I guess oh, not yeah. if you're not camping. Yeah, I, I, mean, love, I, I what I love to I've do is like to like to grab it. I'll take a, put a tin foil. We'll cut up potatoes, cut up peppers, onions, get some meat, and just go stick. You know, once the the embers are good and you got stick a nice it right there. Going, you go <laughs> throw those on there and flip it and rotate it. Sit there and drink some beer. It's the best way to cook at a at a campfire. That's great, man. I'm glad. Well, look, you guys are still in a downpour over there. When I talked to you this morning, so basically you just. Have had rain nonstop for what two days dude we got we got some rain and then it paused and we allowed us to do some camping which is nice it didn't rain overnight we didn't put on that little top part over the camera like, <laughs> yeah nah, we don't need that don't need it yeah but about seven o'clock that next morning when we were starting to cook breakfast there was a sprinkle and then there's another sprinkle like, oh, <laughs> and, then, <no>. <laughs> and then about the time we get those eggs going i mean it's just so we're throwing stuff into the jeep I'm trying to still trying to cook some food so we can eat some breakfast burritos. We end up yeah. standing underneath a tree with trying to, you know, <laughs> shove some burritos down our face so that we can get on back in the Jeep. But the crazy thing is, is when, when you've getting, you know, you're sitting out there all day, right? You, you've cooked all your food. Then the crazy part after all the fun is the worst, right? The unpacking. Yeah. I, I, you, especially right especially after the rain so then you got a tent that's got covered in water you got to leave it sitting now you got chairs all wet those have to sit out all day i mean it's just it, it definitely became a a trip that was supposed to be this much to this massive trip with this big <laughs> massive headache and one of the worst headaches of them all is after after all that's done you go look at your car and what do you got all over it oh uh, water and you're 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 just hoping and praying that you don't get hit by the magical water spots that you just get for no apparent reason on anybody's car. Like that's what you're always worried about with water. Well, yeah. And I mean, and in theory, I understand, right? Cause some of the very big, right. Let's go through the, the if you're going to have a ceramic coating complaint or question, right. I would say the number one that I see through the forums, I see through people asking if there's an issue with the coating, right not talking about failing, right? Just yeah. an issue, the user end user experience, which you've talked about, right? That, that in customer yeah. experience, one main one is, well, how come I still got water spots? Yeah, no, no, there's no question, right? Like we went from wax to sealant and from sealant to coating, right? That was sort of the progression from sealant to coating. Coatings are way more prone to water spotting than sealants were. It's just a, it's just a reality of the technology. Now, obviously we're, let's call it 10 plus years into development of ceramic coating and that's getting way better. That's actually the push for graphene. Like, let's be frank, the whole push to put graphene as the coating, you know, barrier for your car is that it's not, it's not going to water spot as easily and it may not water spot at all if it's actually pure graphene so 
That's interesting because isn't that what a lot of the early proponents of ceramics said? Oh yeah. And it was, and you know how many people at the beginning when it was like a quartz and all that stuff was, was ceram, you know, the wet application ceramics and that kind of thing. Those things would water spot. If you just looked at them, you remember, you'd be like, Oh my God, dude, how did this get water spots? It literally drizzled and the car is marked up. I mean, I remember customer complaints about that and it's still in SIO2 based ceramic or TIO2 and all of that. Look, man, water spots is part of owning a car and it can be absolutely demoralizing when you have a car dialed in, you love where you're at with your car, you're pumped up, everything's great. And then randomly it rains, you don't think anything of it, you go out the next day, don't think anything of it. Maybe you, you wait a day, you wash the car and all of a sudden you're like, what the hell happened? And look, if you're in Florida or, you know, Vegas or Arizona, I mean, you know, better than anybody in those three or three States. I mean, I know I've heard stories of guys that I know in Florida that got a rain, like while they were at work, washed the car when they got home and they had water spotting. Like because of the car sitting in the sun and you know, where the rain fell, how it fell, like there is no rhyme or reason to getting a water spot. You can not have them after it sitting on your car for six months, or you can have them two hours later. Like it, it's a really random thing with car spot or with water and, spotting. And let's go over what a water spot is. And there's going to be a couple of different variables, right? So water spots are minerals from the water, right? Yep. When the water evaporates, you got minerals that are left over and they stay sitting right there on the car. Right now, those minerals are going to be different from different types of water. Yeah. Rainwater. You know? Sprinkler uh, water is like the most is, you know, automatic sprinklers uh, out here, which is what they call reclaimed water. In most cities and municipalities, they reclaim the water. It runs through any irrigation in the city. And that stuff is so hard and so mineral filled that, I mean, it can hit your car and it could just be overnight and it's just water spotting. And matter of fact, I mean, I've dealt with it on, uh, I had two clients attend a, uh, a banquet at a country club, like for their, for some type of awards banquet, they go to this awards banquet, Marty, they both get hit by the same sprinkler. They call me Monday morning and say, Hey, you know, can you come clean our car? Boom. It lasted one overnight and they got, they got water spotting. One was a Benz and one was a Cadillac Escalade and they got hit by reclaimed water sprinklers at this country club that they went to. And all of a sudden they're looking at a big massive issue. And did anybody do anything wrong? Not technically. I mean, the cars were protected. Uh, it was just really, really extreme water circumstances can, can, absolutely etched through anything it seems like ceramic coating wax sealant clear coat i mean it, it just it's just like a nature of owning a car isn't it so in theory i i want to press back on where the water mineral right where the spot is right so if i'm gonna look right and i've got a car that it's got water spots on it what do I need to do if I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my car, I'm sitting out there, I'm looking at my Jeep and I go, shit, I've got, I've got water spots on the glass, right? Or I got water spots on the, the, the roof. I got water spots on the hood, right? And sometimes you might get some of that very top uh, of the door, 
right? But yeah. for the most part, the water will, will run off. A lot of people will only complain about those flat surfaces, yeah. expecting that water just dramatically can just fall off of paint just because now you have a protectant on. So yeah. when I see that, I think some people go, hmm, I've got water spots on my car. But depending on what protectant I put on, I might only have water spots on the protectant. So you mentioned yeah. a second ago, you said, hey, ceramic coatings are prone to, to, get, uh, uh, to get water spots water on spotting. them. Why yep. do you think a coating would get a water spot versus mm -hmm. a sealant or a wax? Because I would think that if a water spot's going to happen on a coating, it would have happened if it was sealed nonetheless. Well, look, man, the, the chemistry makeup of coatings and sealants and carnauba wax, all those things have positives and negatives to them, right? Ceramic coating is going to last infinitely longer than a sealant or a wax, right? So there's a trade-off right there. Water behavior is more insane with a ceramic coating than it is with a sealant or a wax, right? But there's actually more upkeep, in my opinion, on a ceramic product than there is on sealants and waxes. And I think anybody that's put on enough, you know, even if you're an enthusiast out there and you've put enough of those products on your car you got to babysit a ceramic coating, I feel, more than you had to ever babysit a sealant or a wax. And it just comes up with chemistry makeup. Now, mind you, rewind the clock 10 years ago, ceramic coatings spotted way easier than they do today. So the chemistry is getting better and the makeup of coatings is getting better, but it's still not perfect. And I don't think we're going to really see perfect for quite some time. I mean, water spotting is just a part of hard water or sunlight and, and water etching into whatever protectant or lack of protectant you may have on your car. And I just think it is what it is. I, I gave up trying to figure out a way to prevent them because quite frankly, it feels like it's just going to happen sooner or later in your life. You're going to run up on, Hey, I got some water spotting. Now I'll do everything to, you know, sidestep it. But I mean, I don't sit there and think that I have the answer to it. I don't think anybody's answered that question yet. Do you? Uh, I, I don't think anybody's answered that question. I don't think that it's possible. That's why I really struggle when I hear that where people saying, and especially, which is why I asked the question, you know, why, why do you think, and I'll ask that to other people, why do you think a ceramic coating suddenly now, you know, water spots more than a sealant? Uh, to me, I look at it and I, I think that a little bit of the wrong question in a, in a sense, right? Because the water spots, right? We're not getting rid of water getting on a car. And we're never going to get rid of minerals going out of water unless yeah. everybody suddenly is using some RO or some fancy. <laughs> but it ain't happening with the water. It ain't happening with your city. So we're probably always going to have minerals inside of water. And we're going to always have water spots. So the way I think of it is, how do I keep those minerals and those water spots from actually going under my clear coat? So when yeah, I get those perfect. questions, great, great, great. I go, well, yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Like, did, did the coating protect the clear coat? And so you got a water spot on the coating and the, the coating did its job, right? Because we got to remember whatever protectant we're putting on there is it's a sacrificial layer and it, it's got to take the blunt of whatever it is that, that is coming at the clear coat. And to me, I would think a, a ceramic coating would be the best way to protect against water spots. Uh, yeah. especially using an entry one year, you know, I would love to put a one year coating on every car instead of putting a wax on that you got to put on every couple of weeks to a month. 
Yeah. And, and you're, you're right on that, but you know how all of us feel when you, when you see it on your coding, you still see it on your car. So now what that indicates to us is, damn, I got to go in there and I got to fix the problem. I always tell people, you know, this is great for enthusiasts to think about. If you're hit with hard water on your coding or, or whatever, I've never had a real great success with any gel or, you know, specific water spot removal, removing products. I've never had great success with them. But we carry a 50-50 mixture of, of distilled vinegar, white vinegar, and water on our trucks. And if we get sprinkler water out here within that week of us doing maintenance, we can take that vinegar and water mixture, spray it as a pre-soak to washing the car. And 99.9% .9 of the time, we're going to see that get eaten away and we're going to be in a good spot. So that's kind of a way to combat something that you catch super early. Okay. That's not a fix if it's eaten through everything. Uh, but if it's superficial on top and it's kind of gotten into the superficial layers of your protectant, you may be able to attack some of those minerals with that 50-50 mixture. I have never personally had any luck with any of the, the gels or the water spot removers. And I'm not saying that people haven't, I just never have. And I've tried them all. So that 50-50 mixture seems to be a great combatant right out of the gate. Like, hey, let me see if I can maybe get lucky here and he's having eaten through everything. Because what we're trying to do at that point, just some education behind it all for anybody that sees it on their, their car or vehicle, you know, what we're trying to do is, is break apart those minerals yep. and get that bond that they have to the surface, the clear coat, break that bond apart so that we can get them off of the clear. Because what happens yep. is when those minerals sit on the clear and then the water goes away, they what we talked about a second, baking or etching, the minerals yep. will actually get into the clear coat and then you'll have a stain. That stain yeah, get has into, to be They can get into out. your coating. They can get into your coating. Then they start, they've eaten through your coating quickly. Now they're down to your clear. Now you have a real issue getting them off because even when people say, I'm going to polish them off, we can go as deep and tell people that's not always as simple as, as just polishing a water spot. There's plenty of people that will tell you of an experience of, I polished my water spots away. I went inside, I had dinner, I went to sleep, I drove it, it got out in the sun, the water spot showed up again. What they don't realize is because maybe they don't have the experience, so we can just tell them what's happening. When you polish paint, it swells, okay, because it, it heats up. So as it heats up, it can start to hide defects like water spotting. And so if the water spots are hidden, paint starts to cool down, whatever goes, 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 goes. Then it starts to heat up again. Boom. It shows you the water spots again, like, oh, remember these? Here's where, here's where they are. Um, or you can have it happen vice versa. You've heated up the panel. It's cooled down. Okay. You've walked into your garage in the morning and you go, the water spots are back. It can happen both ways. It depends a lot on the paint and the substrate that it's on, whether it, it, it swells a lot or swells a little bit. Um, but I mean, Marty, you know, the detailers, no matter how experienced you are, the one thing you hate to deal with is water spotting, because if you have to polish it, you just got to hope and pray 
doesn't matter how skilled you are. And I know a lot of people are going to listen to this and think that, oh, I know. Look, man, if you've done enough of these, you just go, look, I'm going to do my best. But I've always, I always preface with people. Here's what could happen. We'll still take care of it, but this could happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's water spotting is like one of the craziest things to deal with it. And it's so stupid and simple. It just makes you even more mad because it's like, you know, water's everywhere. I put water on my car on purpose, you know, and now I got fucking water spots everywhere. I mean, I, I think it's one of the most aggravating things to deal with, with your car. Well, and especially if you you're using water that hasn't been filtered, right? So plenty of whether it's a mobile detailer, whether it's somebody cleaning a car at their house, whether it's, you know, going into a, a random shop, not every shop has filtered water, but that is the number one way to really help the situation is to make sure that that water is as clean as possible from the minerals. Um, but let's say we got them on there. Uh, we already talked about how to get it off the, the paint glass. Glass can be the worst because if you go turn into that sun and you see all those little, and you can see it sometimes too, where you got that wiper blade that's gone over <laughs> and you see that little eyebrow and then there's just solid water spots all up at the top. So if, if I see that on my car, I think the easy fix to do is get some triple or some, some quadruple op that's four zero steel wool. A little bit of, you can use, some people use water, but it's kind of funny trying to move water spots with water, glass cleaner, but that's got a lot of water. Anything that give you a little bit of lubricity as you're going over, yeah. that's one way of doing it. That's an easy thing. Or some people have used a razor blade. Have you tried that? That's kind of a small little, you know, and just yeah, kind of. I, I've never, but you know. Any, any ideas on removing water spots from glass? So one of the things I might do is go to a rayon pad just for speed. I don't know if you've ever polished glass, but you can get these rayon pads and you can just put them on a polisher. If you have one, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, a Porter cable will work at this point because you're not trying to get super aggressive. You're just having, you're trying to get something that'll abrade similar to a razor blade, just much quicker. Uh, I would, again, I might go to hundred percent distilled white vinegar on glass. There's some people, some guys I know that'll use some light acid uh, type products on glass, but that, that can at your, I mean, that could be permanent etching. So, you know, don't go try this at home kids type thing with the acid. But I know a lot of guys that use uh, wheel acid, not only on, on pain as well uh, to, to combat water spots, but they'll risk it on the glass if the glass is bad enough and there's no real solution. And, and look, I've gotten to the point with some glass where I just advised replacement. I mean, some of it is just so bad. You could just say, Hey, look, man, the price of me doing this, what, you know, a windshield company will come and change it. Like, you know, sometimes you got to learn to walk away. Hey man, this is bad enough on my car. I'm just going to get myself a new windshield. <laughs> hey, windshields are getting fucking expensive though. No doubt. No, no. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you got an old car, do that. <laughs> if you, you know, if you got a, you know, a McLaren that's 12 grand, you might have a little different, different theory about it. But yeah, I mean, dude, we, we just dealt with the Ford GT thing where I think it was like 22,000 for the windshield. 22 grand, man. Like we're, we're getting to a level. I don't think people are going to grasp like insurance companies are going to bow out of the glass game and it's going to be a whole mess because I mean, all the sensors and all, you know, like it's not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to have your glass removed mobily anymore. You're most likely going to have to go to a warehouse where they can collapse, you know, uh, 
what's not what's it called calibrate all the different systems and you know it's you know we don't need to get off on the windshield talk right now but yeah it, it's you're right it's insane so <laughs> we can we can get back to the windshield talk on another day uh but to talk about something that is insane there's no doubt about it uh before I left to go camping, I went and we, you know, we go to a local dealership here. We work with the guys very thoroughly. It's, it's a great partnership. Uh, well, it's not a partnership, right? I mean, they buy supplies, we work with them. So it's, yeah. it's more of it a, great. a business yeah, relationship, yeah. you know, uh, and was there talking with the guys, some of the numbers that they're hearing 50 cars when they're used to getting 150, I talked a to month? the owner. That's per month, um, folks. That's per month. Yes. The owner looks at me and goes, you know, we never experienced this before. I'm sure we'll be okay. You know, but no clue, right? Used to just getting cars, but suddenly now the dealership cannot get new cars. So used to getting 150 and it's only getting 50 and they're not sure what they're going to get next month. So, (laughs) I mean, hold on (laughs) because if we're in the car care industry, yeah, <laughs> or we're just an enthusiast looking to buy a car or, I mean, dude, it's, this is the craziest thing that nobody is talking about other than like journalists, right? This is stuff you read. This, this is having a massive impact. And what, you know, the next part of that, Marty, is this is a whole semiconductor issue. There's around 200 plus semiconductors in every car. Okay. Used to be only a couple. Now there's 200 a car on average. The world supply, there's no way to bring any more of it online. I have somebody in my life that works in this business, the semiconductor world very closely. Um, this is it. There is no fixing this. This is going to have to be fixed through time. There's no way to speed the process up. There's no way to get more semiconductors out. Like the car business essentially has messed itself up from a supply and demand issue. Okay. Now, hold on. You say the car business messed itself up. Everybody else is saying the conductors are messing. That's not the truth. Uh, For those that actually know about it, um, again, that deal with semiconductors will tell you. If you're in that business, you knew for years and years and years and years that there was um, no more capacity coming online. So no more semiconductors can be built. So what happens is you have your place in line with these manufacturers. You can't get out of line because there's no way to put you back in line because there's only a few of them in the world. So what happened was the pandemic hit. What happened? Hertz, Ford, Chevy, everybody panicked, right? So Hertz and all the rental car companies are like, hey, I don't need any more cars. We're going to dump our, all, all of our inventory. So Ford says, hey, we don't need these semiconductors. Hey, you know, we don't need, we don't need these semiconductors. Well, then what happened in 2020? They never sold more cars than in 2020. The, the demand went through the roof. They misjudged the pandemic. And so guess what happened? You created a shortage. The semiconductor companies didn't do anything wrong. Now, are they artificially controlling the price around the world by not bringing any more capacity online to build them? Sure they are. But you were aware of that in 2017 when they told you 
hey, we're not going to bring any capacity online until 2022, 2023. We may just not have any more capacity ever. But don't get out of line. Keep getting your allotment of semiconductors because if you get out of line, we, we can't make any more. So what happened? Just like we saw in, in the car care industry, people panicked. And now the car manufacturers on down from those executives at the top of the car manufacturer have completely started to create destruction beneath them. Because, I mean, Marty, you're in Tulsa. You're pl as plugged into the dealership world as probably anybody. You're not going to see all those dealerships make it if they don't get cars. Because they owe land money. They owe rent money. They owe staffing they have you know leases on things you don't even know about equipment their their service area i mean they're like any other business and they're probably more leveraged than almost any small business in your city across the country not having cars is a death sentence for a lot of these people that are leveraged i'm interested the look around people's faces when you start having these conversations as you did at this dealership Look, we're hearing stuff out of Texas. You know, we're hearing stuff out of Florida. We're we're seeing something here with the Volkswagen dealership. I'm not sure if they're going to make it um, because they they're they're in the same boat. I I don't know, Marty. Like this is a crazy thing. Do you really think there'll be dealerships that uh, eventually go out of business? I don't want to predict that because I don't really know the finances or if if the manufacturers are going to step in and keep people afloat with loans because that that stuff does happen as you know you know there's a there's a more symbiotic relationship between the manufacturer and big dealerships than people lead on you know they get a lot of incentives and a lot of money exchanges hand from the manufacturer to the dealership i think if you're a successful dealership you're going to you're going to stay afloat one way or another because people are going to lend you money to stay afloat whether that's the manufacturer or they or they line up financing with big banks or whatever. But man, we've all known those, those dealerships that were kind of felt like they've been hanging on for 20 years. I, I, don't you think they could go away? There's uh, or there's some new ownership coming in. Yeah. Right. Penske starts buying them or, you know, massive, massive companies, auto nation, those types of companies come in and say, Hey, we're here to help. You know, we got access to a zillion dollars. We're just going to buy everybody up. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You, you kind of probably hit the nail on the head. And this goes to buying cars. What if you're in the market to buy a car, buy a truck, buy a van, uh, whether that's business or personal? Uh, I'm sitting on several customers just waiting on cars. I mean, see, I got two C8 Corvettes that are just in limbo. We have no idea. They're supposed to be here by now. It could be October. It could be tomorrow. We basically have been told, hey, see you when we see you. They haven't, they've had no trouble taking the deposit money. They have, you know, they're, they're still doing business as usual. But, you know, we ran into an issue with a couple Mercedes orders um, for some of my customers. So it's a weird time, man. I mean, this is like one of the weirdest things in the car world that yeah. is never going to get the love that it should because this is, this is probably the craziest thing I've ever seen. Well, it's, it is, it is, I would say it's the craziest, but it was, now it's the craziest. 
at first, I'm still going to say cash for clunkers. When you could literally, I mean, if you remember, you just had to get it on property. That's all it had to do. You didn't have to run. You just had to get it onto the dealership property. And Obama was going to give you a shit ton of money. And we're going to trade out that car. And we're going to flip it. And you're going to be good to go. Suddenly... Now we don't have cars. Back then it was, we need to get as many cars out. Now it's, we don't have any cars. And you got some really cool th- cars that are starting to come back out that I'm really wondering, well, what's going to happen? Let, oh, like Ford the Bronco. Bronco. The Bronco's been ruined. I mean, you, you know it as well. So you and I talked off air about this, not to go down this rabbit hole, but there was no, nothing more exciting than seeing that new Bronco, especially for people that lived during the 90s when – that OJ Bronco was iconic. That 96 Bronco that he drove, that white one, like that's still an iconic Bronco, right? And here they go. They nailed it, right? They released the photos. They have some, some uh, YouTubers and car review people getting in the new Bronco. And you're like, wow, they nailed it. They didn't screw this up. And then somehow we look around and go, what the hell is that? Yeah, That's That's a Bronco sport. And I'm like, how the hell did they get those out before the Bronco? And here locally, I know three or four people on the waiting list, top 60 waiting list, and they got no idea. No idea when they're going to get their Bronco. No idea what it's going to be like. The word is, is they got 30, 40, 50, 100,000 cars just sitting at different spots waiting for semiconductors. You don't know where your car is. You don't know if it's been sitting out getting, you know, the term for the, uh, the enthusiast listen to that is called lot rot. You know, you have no idea when your car was made because now your car isn't technically going to get a finish date on its sticker until the semiconductors are installed. So your car could have been sitting at, La- at Las Vegas La- or uh, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway for nine months and you didn't know it because the semiconductors weren't in the car. Like we're hearing crazy stories where. I heard that Chevy and Ford got just cars stashed everywhere waiting for the final pieces to go in. Can you imagine what the paint, the trim, I I mean, they accidentally leave the window cracked and the rain gets in or they didn't check the seal. I mean, this is going to be a time that we're going to look back and go, this was the craziest moment in, in in the car business as a whole. Well, they better still at least come out with the Bronco, right? They better not, like, (laughs) you better not get canceled, right? And the other one that I hope that they don't fuck with, of course, is the Wagoneer, right? Well, it's already going to be a hundred grand. Did you see that? It's going to be a hundred grand. Well, yeah. (laughs) Wagoneer, man. Yeah, Marty's got a Wagoneer, so he's like, yeah, that makes sense. 150 sounds like the (laughs) sweet spot. No, yeah. but I mean the Wagoneer back in the day was a it was Iconic. a big step up, right? It was one of the kind of the when it came out. So to let everybody it was one know, of the fir- I, it was one of the first large SUVs ever built, and it was one of the most expensive, right? I mean, it was yeah. a step up. It was a it was a big step. So we think it was like eighty nine when my dad bought one. That was an eighty four, so a couple years old, eighty eight, eighty nine, and uh, drove it for many years. Drove it. I even took it to college. Got my Second ticket uh, was a brutal ticket. You ever, (laughs) so you're in college, (laughs) there's a a local pizza place that's a mile away and you go, 
you know what? I'm just going to drive over to get it because I don't want to pay that, you know, yeah, driver fee. $2. College, <laughs> right? Like, I don't want to yeah. do that. I'm going to yep. get in my car. I'm going to drive over and get it. So I run down, pick it up. You know, I see some cars. There's one like, there's one down here. There's a car coming, but I'm going to beat him, right? And I'm going to cut my corner and go off and just be good to go. I got my pizza. I'm going to go eat it. Mm. Nope. I just so happened that car that was down there, I just so happened to pull out in front of a cop. And that <laughs> motherfucker gave me a ticket for driving left of center because when I turned out, I cut that corner to kind of get out. Yeah. And he gave me a driving left of center. And I was like, oh, no. God damn, that pizza, that pizza went from $8.99 to like $189.99. Oh, it was a fucking good. brutal pizza. Uh, but, but the coolest thing is, you, know, you just got that, that thing running. Here, I've enjoyed it, yeah. and we just got it back out of the shop. It's now running. Uh, it's the same one. It's been sitting in my family's garage for many years. We're going to go start through that process. So, hey, Jeep, don't fuck up the Wagoneer conductors. <laughs> that, that car's got to get out on the road so that when mine's Agreed. redone and restored, I can put them next to each other. So, Yeah, dude. I, I'm so happy you got that started up. It was cool to share that on the stories like you did, and you know, those kind of things don't exist anymore. Right. I mean, it, those things that last, uh, that are meant to last like that, that's just not how we do things now. Right. I mean, if a car lasts 10 years, it's like, ah, it's good enough. You know, we'll just, we're on to the, to the next model or the next, you know, it's going to get worse with electric. Probably it's going to be looked more appliance like, uh, but it was cool to see that man. And you're right. I, I hope they don't mess up Bronco. I hope they don't mess up Wagoneer. Because those were two big announcements from 2020, 2019. I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, I I, I kind of can't believe we're in this position. But it's like anything else, man. Sooner or later, we'll dig out of it. It'll, things will get back to normal. I just got no idea when that's going to happen. I don't either. So in between now and then, I'm, I'm going to grab <laughs> me another pint and I'm going to enjoy a nice cold beer, man. <laughs> I hear you. All right, bro. Hey, have a great it, week. It's good to talk to you, man. Enjoy your week. You too. All right. Episode over. Leave us a review and we will see you on the Community Pub Wednesday nights at 730 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. That's the Community Pub Wednesday nights, 7.30 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. Grab a pint and enjoy.